Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to another episode of the Real Bible Talk series of the Edmo Show. Today's chapter, we are going to be covering chapter Genesis chapter 34. Uh, just to recap, we had a lot of things going on from the last chapter. We talked about um, Israel, uh, Jacob getting his name. We talked about his uh, conflicts with uh, with his brother and uh, all the other stuff that he's been getting into. The the interesting part that that I really honed in on yesterday, and I felt like I didn't cover too too much. But we're probably gonna have to, in the name of the new of uh, of uh, I I don't even know her name. Uh, the the new lady that covers the the press briefings at the White House. We're just gonna have to circle back. Um, however, we're not gonna circle back today because I just want to keep going with the story. We'll probably circle back when we get finished with a discussing Genesis, probably what I'll end up doing is doing like a whole recap where I'll give you the the cliff note summary uh, and some of the lessons that I learned from uh, from discussing Genesis. So, but today, <clears throat> excuse me. So today we are going to be, we will be discussing, excuse me, Genesis chapter 34, which I feel like is a very, very hardcore, in your face, very gangster episode of the Bible. Like, it was so much going on. Like, normally, you know, as you guys who've been paying attention, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll do maybe one series, one chapter, or sometimes I'll, I'll try to see if the, how fast or how the stories kind of coincide together. I'll probably put maybe two to three. No more than five chapters, depending on how long they are. Uh, but this chapter, while it's short, it's a lot of information. Dennis actually gives us a lot of information in his book about it. Uh, however, I feel like this chapter is probably by far, in Genesis so far, the one chapter that runs closely to American or modern life. And we'll discuss that, uh, even though I've said that before when we've talked about Jacob and his marriages to his to his wives, even though it's not it's not common for us to marry two women at the same time, depending on some people's denominations. But uh, it is common for us to have uh, in, in some respects in modern times to have a the mother of your children who you were with first. And you have a relationship with, or you have more affection to a person who you've been digging the whole time. And then that creates a conflict in your own life and sometimes a conflict between them. Especially, I've seen it, you know, growing up in, in, in D.C., you know, people having, let's not just say it happens in D.C. or only in D.C., but seen that with people who who uh, date within these tight circles where they, they date one person, they end up having kids with them, and then... They turn around, they date somebody else who they've been feeling the entire time, and then it creates drama, creates havoc. So we will move on. So we will start reading chapter 34, and I know I've been butchering her name. Uh, I've been calling her Dina, but her name is actually Dinah. Someone corrected me on it. So Dinah defiled by Shechem. Now Dinah, Leah's daughter, whom she bore for Jacob, went out to look at the daughters of the land. Uh, when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, took her, and lay with her, and he raped her. They made sure they put emphasis on the whole rape part. But his soul clung to Dinah, now uh, Jacob's daughter, and she loved the young and he loved the young woman and spoke reassuringly to the young woman. So Shechem said to his father, Hamor, saying, get me this girl for a wife. Now, Dennis, typically, like in his books, he breaks them down line by line, like like verse one, verse two. Sometimes we'll get a couple verses in there before we get uh, a lot of dialogue How from Dennis. However, Dennis definitely breaks it down um, 
the interesting part where uh where we first see uh his commentary was um she went to look at the daughters of the land and the interesting part here is uh Dennis's commentary refers to the Torah as I've said he is a he is Jewish uh he does a lot of his writings from the Jewish perspective however in his books the rational bible we will be using we are using Genesis God, creation, and destruction. Uh, Dennis writes his rational Bible uh, books from the perspective uh, that can be understood by someone who is Jewish, someone who is Christian, and someone who just does not identify with any religion at all. Um, but he does bring the the Jewish understanding into his writings, and he he speaks to a, a wide variety of people. Just like the Bible that I use, which is the Messianic Jewish Family Bible, where uh, both these two books, they they get information from rabbis, they get information from priests, they get information from experts, they get information from historians and all this other stuff. Excuse me. I had to get a sip of my coffee. All right. Uh, so he writes, the Torah explains why Dinah was out on her own. She was not looking for men uh, or for trouble, which for young women is often the same thing. As the sole daughter with uh, 11 brothers, she understandably wanted to meet and befriend other women. Nevertheless, in many traditional cultures, it was and is to this day risky for unmarried young women to venture out on her own. And... I was watching, and I was trying to get some more context uh, because this this story was very, because it was so short and it was very impactful. I wanted to get other sources, and uh, the the closest thing that I've been hearing consistently from people who have done their commentaries on this chapter is like this is a very almost a Me Too esque you know uh, type of story. While I've had some of you know concerns or comments about the Me Too movement on you know the regular Edmo show, uh, because I feel like this this movement has gone too far in 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 many respects. The this is definitely one because uh, how, because it, it's flat out said like she was raped, um, she was defiled, she was raped, and all this other stuff, and then. Um, it, the 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 Bible doesn't shy away from from being very blunt and open about it. Um, now some of depending on what version you read, they may word it differently. However, from from my understanding, is the one thing that is consistent was the actual and he raped her comment. The so uh, Dennis continues. Um, these three verbs, um, you know, the he took her, he lay with her, and he raped her. Um, these three verbs describe the three stages of rape. A man sees a woman, man takes her sexually by force, and causing her to suffer. Uh, the Hebrew word translated here by force, and this is in Dennis's book, uh, vayina, <laughs> vayina eha, or V-A-Y-E-H. I N A E H A H uh literally means he made her suffer. Uh the the use of this word makes it clear that Dinah in no way wanted to wanted it to happen to her and therefore was rape. And this this kind of goes back to um back to some of my comments that I made on the Edmo show talking about um that aspect in in regards that the Me Too movement, while there is some validity to it, however, has taken things too far to the point where now we have broadened the spectrum of rape and sexual assault to not only is it forced sexual action, you know, on the on the by the act of rape. Not only is it like the wrongful, you know, unwanted touching of a woman, but now it's gone to so far as looking at someone, it's gone so far as making a comment, uh, it's gone so far as 
sometimes even preconceived notions by the woman of her part. Sometimes it's even gotten so far as a woman actually wanting to have sex, and then she feels some sort of shame afterwards. Then she wants to turn around and scream rape. Now, to me, I feel like all those things, the when when now because we're 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 so sensitive to sexual assault, we're so sensitive to rape and other things that it it kind of it kind of makes us overlook the women who are actually suffering. And that's why I, 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 I'm so glad that Dennis kind of goes over that from the Hebrew um, perspective of the three verbs of the, the stages of rape, even though no one wants to think about that. But the fact that the suffering part, you know, if, if you're a young woman, and typically a lot of these Me Too movements, they come from... Uh, they come from... It started out in colleges, then it went on into Hollywood, and now the the newest thing was oh, in politics, and now the newest thing uh, I think they're talking about um, Marilyn Manson, and how he's tied up, you know, women. He's beat them, uh, he's screamed nasty words at them, he's bit them, you know, he's caused physical harm. All the women all allege that it was um, it was discussed. You know, these were all things that that they allowed to happen to them. So it, it's it, when you compare that, and I may have some people that are going to disagree with me, maybe feel some kind of way uh, about this topic. It, it it's like when you when you have that, when you have these group of women who knowingly put themselves in these positions, knowingly. Um, Knowing the vulnerabilities or knowing the possibilities of these things or actively being a participant in it where they're allowing it to happen, they agree to that it happened and know they know that it happened and then want to turn around and say that they were me too or raped or assaulted and all this other stuff, you know, that that kind of over that will overshadow women like Dinah who were made to suffer, you know, because of some man's sexual advances. Um now, of course, you know, drugging someone and having sex with them is is always wrong, but there comes a point to where, and I, like I, I've mentioned in probably episode in season one, you know, the Bill Cosby thing. If Bill Cosby is a married man, and to everybody, they all know he's a married man. These women are putting themselves in the position of of knowingly having a sexual relationship with this person, and then... During the time period, you know, it's it was commonplace for for people, both men and women, to consume uh, narcotics or to consume some sort of drug or something like that. Now to say, oh, well, I was drugged. Well, if you that's like if you're going to a trap house and then you end up doing a couple, you know, whatever sorts of drugs and then you end up sleeping with someone. I mean, it kind of comes with the territory. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't, you know, overtake the what happened to you, but, you know, and I, I've, it's me being in the military, I saw it all the time, and it was ridiculous how, and maybe that's why I probably have a skewed perspective, but being in the military, weekend after weekend, holiday brief after holiday brief, we would get these, these death by PowerPoint presentations about the dangers of drinking, drug consumption, and sexual intercourse. Don't do it. And somehow, every break, you know, there's a girl in the barracks who gets drunk at a at a barracks party. She ends up hooking up with one guy, two guys, maybe three guys. She wakes up the next morning in their room, and then now all of a sudden she's doing the walk of shame back to her room, and it's, oh, I was raped. Now, there are women who have been raped in the military. Those stories don't get really talked about. However, what does get the attention is, Oh, my name is is PFC, or my my name is 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 Private First Class, whatever. I was at a barracks party and I was drinking, and and he took advantage of me. Well, thanks to cell phones, and now the 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 worst part in this modern military was you can have cell phone video um, images of a girl clearly intoxicated, the guy clearly intoxicated. Uh, she, you know, uh, ends up being very flirtatious. 
putting her breast on him, kissing him, touching him, groping him. And then finally, he's like, okay. They, they go back to a room. They hook up. Next morning, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just, I can't believe what happened to me. Oh, oh, first sergeant, I was raped. And it's like, okay. Um, PFC, whatever your name is, uh, by this video, you were all over him. But then the company commander has to come out, well, how dare, who was at that party? Now I got to NJP everybody at that party because you saw it and you let it happen. Whoa. And then it'll escalate to, I've even seen it go so far as someone having a cell phone video, you're trying to make pornography. You're getting NJP'd. NJP'd is non-judicial punishment. It's, and then now everybody at the party is hemmed up because this girl got wasted threw herself at some guy, and then, you know, that's like you throwing a line, you know, out while you're fishing, and then you catch a fish. It's ridiculous, you know, and, and we see a lot of that go on. We see celebrities talking about, well, I was sexually assaulted by this producer, that producer, but I got the movie, I got the part of the movie, though, and, and it, it catapulted my career, but I shouldn't have had to do that. Well, you were silent, and you're over here singing this guy's praises while you were getting these mega million dollar movie deals. So it's like, it's like when we go back to Dinah, it's like she was just out minding her business, and some dude raped her. But now all of a sudden, after the the, the weird part is, the guy fell in love with her, and you know, and and Dennis talks about that, and he he even talked about how. This is a realistic portrayal where uh, after raping uh, Dinah, Shechem fell in love with her. This juxtaposition of juxtaposition, juxtaposition, sorry, of violence and love is unfortunately a realistic portrayal of more than a few men's behavior. Shechem spoke to uh, to the maiden tenderly in order to convince her to marry him, either because he really did think he loved her. Or because he hoped uh, her agreement to marry him would render him acceptable to her family, who would then not seek to to exact revenge for the rape. In any case, he clearly was not confident that his feelings were reciprocated by Dinah. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I thought I was about to butcher her name again. For he kept her under a kind of house arrest. So not only did he rape, rape her, he kidnapped her because she couldn't leave. Although most ancient societies had laws against raping women of their own tribe or clan, there was rarely, if ever, an explicit prohibition against raping women of other clans. Thus, Shechem uh, would not necessarily think that he had done anything morally wrong in violating a foreign woman, but he would surely recognize that that Dinah, that Dinah's clan, would view his behavior as inexcusable. The idea oh the idea people owe decent behavior to members of other groups was one of the Torah's radical more innovations of uh, radical moral innovations. Indeed, the commandment to love the stranger is the most frequently repeated commandment in the Torah. And uh then they then Dennis kind of go moves on and he even breaks down uh, Hamor's name, which translates uh, into the Hebrew word for donkey, which um, is a a comedic jab that Dennis says that Jews probably added to the story to describe Hamor and Shechem's character because he says Shechem was therefore the son of a donkey or the son of an ass. Uh, something that would greatly amuse the ancient Israelites. And when Shechem's blunt language reflects, uh, reflected uh, Shechem's view of the world, um, when he referred to as, get me this girl for a wife, as if he's referring to her as property. Which, uh, which we kind of discussed back in with Laban, when his, some of his comments about his own daughters and his comments about his grandkids as, when he was when he was going ha- when he was having his verbal altercation with uh, with Jacob, as he was referring to his own family, his own kin, his own blood, as property. Ooh yeah. Sorry, I had to get some get some coffee in me. 
drinking some of that Black Rifle coffee. Unfortunately, uh, they're not a sponsor yet. So, um, so now Jacob had heard and that he had defiled his daughter, Dinah, while his sons were with his livestock in the field. So Jacob went quiet until they came in. Meanwhile, Shechem's father, Hamor, went out to Jacob in order to speak with him. Jacob's sons had already come in from the field when they heard, and the men, and the men were deeply grieved and furious because he had committed uh, a... Oh, wow, that was, that was such a serious typo. Uh, let me grab my Bible. <laughs> I hate when I make typos. When they had heard that the men were deeply grieved and furious because he had committed a vile, uh, a vile deed in Israel by lying with daughter with Jacob's daughters, which ought never to be done. Sorry. So, just to give you guys some some inside scoop, what I do is I read the Bible. I type it out uh, into a PowerPoint presentation because, one, I feel like, you know, you guys don't want to hear the the turning of pages and stuff. And also, the text is really small, and I got dyslexia, so sometimes, like, you know, too many words. So I try to break it up into, into chunks to which I can kind of, you know, consume. So, um... So, uh... Yeah. So just to backtrack for a second, uh, when we when we go back, um, we're talking about Dinah and her purposes for being out and about, and Dennis's comments about um, the fact that women who aren't married, it, it's very dangerous for them to walk out and about. And as we can tell in in this um, in this passage, that pretty much all the men, like all her brothers, her father, were out tending to the flocks. Um, it it, it kind of goes back to traveling in packs for women. You know, if you're going to be an unmarried woman, travel in packs. Uh, as, as those of you who may have heard about the car talk, you know, the missus and I, we kind of went something very, very sensitive to us where um, it kind of speaks to this. Um, you know, just... Traveling alone, um, you know, walking out and about, and and you know, at least in the differences here was, you know, the missus she was walking the dog at night. Uh, however, in while I was at work, the but however, in Dinah's case, it this was in broad daylight, and it, it excuse me if I if I sign like you know because that's one of those things I hate reliving, but. It just goes back to one of those things as as men, we can't always be around because either we are either we are at work or we are away. Um, you know, I saw this in the military a lot. Like a lot of times when we talk about the the infamous Jody, for those of you who weren't in the military, Jody is a is a archetypical character for the guy that sneaks in when when you're away and you know, he's that that hanger-on friend. He's that friend that plays in the friend zone and kind of helps pick up your your girlfriend or your wife's emotions and kind of consoles her. And somehow it turns into a sexual relationship or one form of fashion. So it, it, it this really goes back to the the issues of the absence of men uh, physically. You know, that's not to say that her brothers or her father were just, you know, absent in her life. They didn't take no interest or they didn't take no part. But uh, this goes to situational awareness. Clearly, I mean, it's understandable. You know, she, it's broad daylight. You know, people are out and about. She should feel safe. You know, she's out there. She's trying to find girlfriends. She's trying to find friends that she can interact with, you know, get to know. Um you know, but the Bible made made sure, like they they defined a clear difference between 
Jacob's family and everyone else. The Israel, the Hebrews, soon to be Israelites, against everyone else. Um, and this has been said all throughout the Bible. Um, you know, we talked about it back during the back during Adam's time. You know, when Cain, we talked about it when um, you know after the Ark, we talked about it. When Abraham left, like the world is different. The world sees and acts and does things differently than what you and your little bubble may do or may be accustomed to. You know, of course, like no one wants to be raped, regardless of what culture or society that you're from. But this is why a lot of cultures still have those, those, um, those, those customs as women can't travel by themselves. You know they they can't they have to be either in a in a male of their family, or they have to be in a group of females, because just for safety purposes. Now, <clears throat> uh, and uh, like the one thing that I really liked was um was the 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 instance where they said um because he had committed a vile deed in Israel um which now they they they're not it's like they they do this hybrid thing with Israel where they refer to him partially as a person but then as a place also like they're saying in Israel maybe they could be talking about his father's house but um uh but the the instances that um sorry i'm like doing multiple things at one time but the the instances where they talked about um which ought never to be done i i don't know if they're talking about the fact that they are laying with with um you know uh dinah or just the fact that she was raped you know cuz rape should never happen so we're going to move on so now but Hamor spoke with them, saying, My son Shechem, he's very attached to your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife, I mean, for a wife, intermarry with us. You can give your daughters to us, and you can take our daughters for yourselves. You can live with us, and the land will be open to you. Live in it, move about it freely, uh, move about freely in it, and settle down in it. And, ooh, Dennis had a lot to say about this. Um, Hamor's manners are of speaking skirt the fact that his son had already done much more than just simply longed for her. Uh, he made it seem as if nothing untoward had taken place. This is a common defensive human trait. Minimize the misbehaviors or that of a relative, especially a child. I will say, and I have been called an Uncle Tom for this, um, even though people don't understand who Uncle Tom is, I say this about, you know, instead of me being a multi-ethnic person, even though I'm black, uh, my parents, my family is mixed, but, you know, all this other stuff, I'm not going to get into that right now. But that's been one of my comments about the black community within America. Um, and I make a differentiation between the black community and the African community because they are clearly night and day uh, differences. And one thing that I noticed against groups, like different ethnic groups throughout America, the black community has the commits this sin re like religiously. Like this is one of our idols is to is to make a def a common defensive excuse me a common defensive human trait to minimize our own misbehaviors or that of a relative. Anytime you see anything, um, you know regarding uh, violence within the in, in the black community, a lot of times like yes, the people involved they're very sad. They cry out for help and all this other stuff. However, if a if a police officer gets involved, it's like he didn't do nothing. Like uh, case in point, the the story that kind of sticks out of my mind, the boy in Florida who breaks into this old lady's house and she shoots him because he's an intruder and all this other stuff. And 
the laws in Florida, you know, clearly states that like you can defend yourself and your property. You know, there's a couple places like that in America. And the the comments made by the family members was like, well, he was just trying to get some money so he can buy some clothes for school. He was going to school. So she should have just let him do what he had to do because it was for school. When we, and this is not a jab specifically at black people, but this is just the more iconic ones. And it, I see it happens all the time. You, when we see things that happen in our community, you know, it's on one hand, it's, it's, we, it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, that should never happen. Or, you know, how dare they and yada, yada, yada. But the moment a cop gets involved, it, it's, Instantly, we start defending the the behaviors of these people. Case in point, Jacob Blake. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna backtrack for anybody. Jacob Blake. You know, he one his ex had called the cops on him. She had a restraining order against him. He goes over there. Now the information on whether he was there to kidnap his kids or do whatever, but clearly she had a legitimate restraining order against him because he had attempted. Like in this in this Bible story that we're talking about, he attempted to rape her. He had made several comments or gestures or actions about raping her. She put out a a um, she put a restraining order on him. He did not care about the restraining order. He showed up at her house anyway, took her car keys. So therefore, not only was she alleging like a hey, he's he's sexually assaulted me in the past, he stole my car. Cops show up. And Jacob Blake has committed other um, atrocities before. He admittedly, if you guys have not seen his um, his his more recent interview, he admitted, I was fighting the cops. I had a knife in my hand. I dropped the knife, and that's when I tried to get up. First of all, don't just brush past that like it, it like like that like you just didn't say that. And then the cop shoots him seven times. And now we forget all about the sexual assault. We forget all about the theft of the keys. We forget all about the violent assault on the cops. We forget all about the knife. And then we instantly turn our attention to, well, why did they shoot him seven times? They out here killing us. They out here doing this. And now next thing you know, we got people burning down cities. And, and, you know, all over the country and all and they want justice and no justice, no peace. And, you know, now, uh, fortunately, he didn't lose his life, but now he's paralyzed from the waist down. And he's, he's a free man. Like, we completely absolved him of all of his past sins. Like, we overlook the rape. We overlook the sexual assault. We overlook the violence. We overlook the the aggravated assault on a police officer, the aggravated assault of a woman. And we instantly minimize his behavior because he was shot seven times in the back. Case in point, George Floyd. George Floyd hides a kite, ends up giving a counterfeit bill, ends up stealing goods from the store. Cops are called. Men give him the counterfeit bill. He's still hanging out outside the store in his own car. He starts spazzing out. Next thing you know, you get one asshole cop who may have taken a policy a little bit too far with restraining him, with putting the knee around his neck. I'm not going to say on his neck because forensics said, hey, there was not enough uh, pressure on his neck. Fight me. I don't care. I don't care if you like it or not. I'm going based off of the facts. I wasn't there. I can only go off of what I saw in the video, what I know from experience, and what the forensics say. We forget all about George Floyd's uh, criminal past. And people try to say, oh, well, you can't use his past against him. That's his past. However, we keep bringing up the sins of, of slavery. We keep bringing up the sins of racism. But that was in the past, though. We keep minimizing the behaviors of our own relatives. I and and I always say to people, you don't really see whites doing that. You don't really see Hispanics doing that too often. Hell, Hispanics are very tribal. Mexicans don't like Hondurans. Hondurans don't like Puerto Ricans. Puerto Ricans don't like Dominicans, and so on and so forth. Um, we don't see Asians doing that. Hell, Asians are very strict on their own people, and they're successful for it. So, 
you know, but it just seems how we focus at us as black people, and I'm gonna get off of this topic in a second, but us as black people, we can we can sit here and talk about the injustices that have been committed against us. However, we refuse to talk about the injustice that we commit on each other. The largest raper of black women is not white men, is not white America, it's black men. It's the black community. We glorify sexualization of our women. We glorify rape. We glorify degenerate behavior. We glorify uh, fatherless homes. We glorify it in our rap music and our movies, all this other stuff. We glorify it by telling dudes, you don't need to get married. You don't need to settle down. Hey, get as many women as you can. We see these rappers out here, you know, having all these baby mamas. So it is, you know, hey, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and to even talk about black women, you know, like, the black community, we want to sit here and talk about black queens, and we need to honor our black queens. However, and I've made my 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 feelings known about that term or phrase, but if we're going to sit here and want to honor our black women, majority of our black women are being raped by their own family. Most black women are raped either by someone they know or someone that they're related to. So I think it's about time that we get off of this whole racial injustice train and start getting on the justice train regardless of what your race is like if if you want something to happen then you got to make it happen you know we can sit here and say no justice no peace but obviously we don't care about it when jacob blake is a free man rolling around in his wheelchair and he had a sexual assault allegation of a minor in the past and of the mother of his own children so i'm gonna say that and i'm gonna move on all right, so um, when they made the comment about intermarry with us, um, Haymore's proposed an exchange of daughters would presumably have no say in the matter. However, in such ancient cultures, women's wishes were not always disregarded. Laban and Bethul, Rebecca's father and brother, had in initially negotiated Rebecca's marriage to Isaac without any input from her. But then, uh, before the deal was finalized, they said, let us call the young woman and ask her for her reply. Only after Rebecca was asked, will you go with this man, Abraham's uh, emissary, and she answered, I will, did she set out on her journey to meet and marry Isaac? The Talmud, which is a, a Jewish encyclopedia of, like, everything, uh, subsequently ruled a father is forbidden to marry off his daughter while she is a minor. He must wait until she is grown up relatively um, and say, I want to so-and-so. However, now I feel like uh, what Dennis missed in, this, in his passage right here was that Isaac had no say whatsoever in the woman that he was marrying. Rebecca had more of a say than Isaac did. However, it's kind of, I understand why he didn't talk about it because um, it's one of those things where it's like, if I'm hungry and you know what I like and you go to this and you go somewhere and you pick it up while, yeah, I didn't have a say. It's kind of like, it, it, like, you know what I like, but, uh, but I just wanted to make that caveat that Isaac had no say whatsoever. Wow. So I'm going to turn that off. <laughs> Sorry, someone had called in on the show. Sorry, we're not doing calls today. All right. Um, yeah, because I was trying to use my phone as a soundbite key. But, I mean, these, these folks want to sit here and call me while I'm doing the show. Don't call me while I'm doing the show, people. Y'all know. Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. No, it ain't right. Dang, Lord have mercy. Now I got to sit here and I got to reconnect my phone and do all this other goofiness. Lord, no respect, people. Anyway, moving on with the show. I'm going to leave that in there because I think that was funny. All right. Um, so Haymore sweetened the proposal, hoping that even if Jacob and his sons uh, know what was done to Dinah, uh, their desires for peace, land, wealth would enable them to overlook it. Um, determined to do whatever it takes to win the woman uh, he desires, Shechem further sweetened his father's proposal by underlying his offer uh, was the assumption 
of Jacob and his sons could be bought. And then, yeah, and I kind of jumped the gun. So Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, um, would that I find favor in your eyes, whatever you say to me, I'll give. Set the dowry, um, the bride price, uh, and the presents as high as you like, and I'll give whatever you say, uh, I'll give what, what you say to me. I'll give whatever you say to me, sorry. Uh, but give me the young woman as a wife. God dang, he's a pushy little dude. Pushy, pushy, pushy. Pushy little punk. But, um, yeah, like, it's just, it, it's weird that, that um, uh, maybe to, to our modern standards, however... Um, it, it's kind of the closest thing that I can kind of relate to this, regardless, like rape aside, that's like when you're a teenager and you are having sex with this girl and clearly, and, and it, it's going to give us information later on in some of the language that, uh, Dinah and Shechem are teenagers, um, that, um, or relative teenagers, but like you, you're out here having uh, unmarried, like uh, uh, un unmarried sex with someone, and and you know you want to be with them, and then their dad finds out, and then you're like, oh shit, like I still want to appeal to you. However, rape aside, I'm sorry, like, like, and then I'm I'm hard on my nieces. Like, um, I have an 18 year old niece, and I told her, hey, you don't have a boyfriend till I meet him. Now she's she thought that you know I was being a little bit overbearing, but however, it's like that's something that we should, and I'm not just saying it because I said it, but that's something that we should um, uphold. Like you don't have a boyfriend, you don't have a male friend, you don't have you don't have this romantic relationship or this you know uh, this emotional relationship with this boy because you like him until I meet him. The males of your family meets him, approves of him, because like we are the ones that cover you, we are the ones that protect you, we are the ones that provide for you. So, yeah. <laughs> However, the missus felt like I was being overbearing. Uh, but you know, hey, whatever. I had to go approach her dad to ask her to marry him. I mean, ask him to marry her, so she can be quiet on that one. But. Jacob's sons answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully as they spoke because he had defiled their daughter Dinah. They said to them, we can't do this thing. Give, out, uh, give our sister to a man who is uncircumcised, for this is a disgrace to us. Only by this will we consent to you. If you will become like us by circumcising every, man, every male, then... We'll give, uh, we'll give you our daughters and take your daughters for ourselves and live with you and become one people. But if you don't listen to us and be circumcised, we'll take our daughter and leave. And like I said with my niece, it's like, yeah, you may have brothers, cousins, father. This is our daughter. Like, this is our, this is, this is our little princess. This is our pumpkin. You know, this is our you know, insert, you know, pet name here, but she belongs to us. She don't belong to you. So therefore, you got to appeal to us. You're the one that want her. We're not asking you. You know, we're not asking for you to join us. Like, you want her. This is our price. You got to, you got to appeal to us if you want to have a piece of this. However, in, in this kind of, I can see remnants of Laban, like, it's like she belongs to us. Now, they're not talking about her as property, though. But, um, also, Dennis adds uh, this, the uncircumcised piece. He writes, uh, let's see if I can find it. Uh, let me see, where is it? Uh, yeah, he said, every nation has a derogatory way of referring to another nation, which some might call today racism or bigotry. Um, and the ancient Israelites were no exception. To them, the term uncircumcised signifies a man who was of a lower level, certainly not an appropriate match for one of their daughters. And 
we still do that today. We still do that today. Um, you know, uh, we, we talk about, oh, well, you ain't marrying him unless the dude's in school. He has a good job. He has a good plan. Um, I know the missus, her father, was not going to sign off on me marrying her if I did not have my shit together. You know, that, that's, that's, that, that ain't happening. You know, but also, uh, I like the fact that they added the uncircumcised part, not only because their men are circumcised, and that was, it's like they kind of used, it's like they took one of their bylaws and they kind of stretched it out. You know, it, it's a requirement for all the men of, of the, all the Hebrew men to be circumcised, to be of God's people. They never said anything about being a part of God's people, but they did say, hey, it, but it, it's a type of language where it's like, we're not joining you, you're joining us. So if you want to be one of us, you got this is what you got to do because this is what separates us from you. That's like you marry into a if you're trying to marry into a family full of doctors, everybody's a doctor. Mom's a doctor, dad's a doctor, brother's a doctor, uncle's a doctor, grandfather's a doctor. You got to be a doctor. If not, they're gonna look at you like, who the hell is Bob the plumber? Like who invited him to the party? You know. So um. So then we're going to move on. Now, their words seem good to Hamor as well as Hamor's son, Shechem. So the young man uh, did not hesitate to do it since he delighted in Jacob's daughter. Now he was honored above everyone else in his father's house. <laughs> Sorry, my nose was itching. So Hamor and his son, Shechem, came into the gate of their city and spoke to the men of their city, saying, These men are enjoying peaceful relationships with us. And they are gonna, and they are living in the land and moving about freely in it. As for the land, look, it is spread out on both sides before us. We can take their daughters to be our wives, and we can give our daughters to be to them. But by this, did these men consent to us to live with us and become one people? When all our males are circumcised, as they are circumcised, their livestock and their possessions. Won't they be? Uh, won't they be ours? Let uh, only let us consent to them, so they'll live with us. Hey, sorry, that is brought to you by the Animal House. Sit down. Sorry, I gotta get my my wild beast together. Um. So Dennis writes, you know, where they talk about the, the young man, Shechem, they said the the Hebrew word used here is na'ar, N-A apostrophe A-R, uh, which is, translates to youth, while the equivalent nahara, uh, N-A apostrophe A-R-A-H, is another translation for maiden or a young a young lady. And he says that a... Avram Evan Shoshin, author of of what is generally regarded as the most authoritative Hebrew dictionary, defines these words as um, refers to young people between the ages of twelve and fifteen. So we're literally talking about um, Romeo and Juliet here. However, Romeo raped Juliet, but uh, also Dennis talks about. Uh, Dennis talks about uh, the kind of points out the fact that Hamor lied to his people because one circumcision is very foreign to them. And I'm pretty sure like they are going to look at cutting off the skins of their penises as something weird and outlandish. So how else would he sweeten the pot by sitting here lying to them, telling them, Hey, we're going to have access to their livestock. We're going to have access to what everything that is theirs all right, so um, now this refers back to politics. Uh, Haymore acting as if he is a representative, like a senator, a governor, or whatever. I mean, obviously, this is his territory. Um, but they show the limits. Like, he can't just do what he wants. He still needs his people behind them. Dennis also um, tries to sweeten the pot by saying that Haymore is probably, you know, to, to pay Jacob and his family um, – that they probably don't know that Hamor is going to raise the taxes on them because he did promise them whatever. Well, Shechem promised them whatever they wanted. So uh, in this, um, 
this kind of goes back to to politics where while you may think you're getting one thing, you're actually getting screwed on what you want and you're not going to get exactly what you want. Closest thing is education. You know, while the government sits here and promises you free education, while they may be paying, you know, up forking up the cash, you know, to get education. However, they're not going to sit here and tell you that this goes for everybody and that because everyone has a degree or everyone has access to getting a degree because the government will pay for it, that your degree will be worth something. And the more that the more of something that people has have, the less value it has. You know, just look on look on any job announcement. You know, all these job announcements, and I'm I'm going through the transition period myself. All these job announcements want you to have a bachelor's degree, uh, or master's degree, to and they want you to have five to ten years of experience. And they only want to pay you $50,000. Now, I don't know about you. Uh, the missus has student loans because I served in the military and I'm using my GI Bill. Uh, and I consolidated a lot of those years in, in every way possible um, to not pay student loans um, and to maximize the time that the VA has given me. That um, you're like student loans ain't cheap. You know, the missus, you know, to, to pay for her, her bachelor's and her master's, and she has a scholarship. She got a full, she had scholarships. She has to pay upwards of six figures for her degree when everything is said and done. So, so you go to school, you get all these degrees, and then now you're only worth $50,000. And your student loans are worth six figures. Double that. Come on now. Uh, welfare, you know, uh, people want to talk about welfare. They want to talk about this fight for 15, you know, this $15 minimum wage. You know, they, they want to talk about all these things. However, they're not seeing how they get screwed. You know, if, if there's a $15 minimum wage and we're going through, we're, we're, uh, what some experts will say, we'll be hitting a recession soon. You got to print money to cover this cost. And more money you print the less value the dollar has. So therefore, prices of items, prices of products go up. So now, with this $15 minimum wage, now that's more people out of a job. That that makes minimum wage jobs, which are entry-level skilled jobs, become harder to get. Because now, me as an employer, if I'm forced to pay you $15 an hour, guess what? You got to come to the table with something. And I remember as a kid trying to get a $7 an hour job was very hard to get. And I was, that was almost 12, 13 years ago. 16 years old. Uh, yeah, 16 years old. I'm like, I'm trying to get a regular menial job so that way I can put gas in the car and food in my stomach. I can't even afford a place by myself. You know, I had to have so many years of experience just to work a cash register. That's ridiculous. So you think that raising the price from $7 an hour to $15 an hour, you're going to make anything better? No, you're not. You're just going to make more poor people. But anyway, we're going to move on. Now, everyone who went out of the gate of his city listened to Hamor and his son Shechem, and every male was circumcised. Everyone who went out of the gate of his city... Then on the third day, while they were in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Lena's brother, uh, sorry, I don't know why I said Lena, uh, Leah's, Dinah's brothers, each took a sword and came against the city undisturbed and killed every male. Hamor and his son Shechem, they were killed by with the sword, then took Dinah from Shechem's house and left. Jacob's sons came upon the slain and plundered the city because they defiled their sister. They took their flock, their cattle, their donkeys, though those that were in the city, as well as though those that were in the fields. All their wealth they captured and plundered, as well as everything that was in the house. Uh, but Jacob said to, to Simeon and Levi, you've brought trouble on me. Making me a stench 
uh, among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Pezzarites. I am but a few men. They'll gather against me and strike me. Then I'll be destroyed, my household and I. But they said, should he, but they rebuttaled, and I'm adding that part just to, for clarification. But they said, uh, meaning uh, Simeon and Levi said to their father, should he treat our sister like a prostitute? And this is where I struggle with the Bible right here. Where I get it, because um, Jacob's criticisms are, and this is that that whole scene before they got back, um, that whole scene was just a gangster-ass scene. You know, that whole scene was, oh, was just epic. Like, it, it, it was, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yup. Like, they just went, you know, they just went. They went dark on them fools. Like, they really, like, I, you know what? I shouldn't be doing this, but Simeon and Levi, I got to clap it up to you, bro. I mean, like, I've, I've known dudes who've done a lot more for a lot less. You know, we see it all the time. People shooting up, you know, uh, shooting up uh, housing apartments and, and uh, all these other stuff all because they someone intruded on a turf or whatever or some dumb shit however like come on now if i'm for 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 my sister i'm going scorched earth but jacob and this is where i'm wrong jacob's comments were because it was insinuated that they killed the innocents you know of course the men of the village they had nothing to do with shechem uh raping uh their sister and they they specifically named simeon and levi because they are the pure blood. They are, you know, full siblings. They're not okay. Uh, Dinah was my mother's servant's daughter. No, this is my mother and my father's child. All three of them were Leah's kids with Jacob, not Leah's servant and Jacob. So they probably felt strongly about it, you know. But and. and it's it's like yeah while you don't want to while you don't want to kill the innocents however from a tactical per, from a tactical standpoint um you don't want you want to end the fight before it even starts so by that if I, if i kill your leader cuz your leader wronged me it's not going to stay just between you and me because you're going to want justice or you're going to want revenge for your leader. So that means if I got to do this, I got to be prepared to do to to handle whatever comes with it. You know, and and this is where we see that Jacob isn't really a tactical person or this is where we there there's so many things here that I that I conflict with because it, it's just I understand why they did it from a tactical perspective. You're not going to be satisfied with the fact that I just killed Hamor and Shechem because somebody is going to take their place and somebody is going to try to want to make an example because how dare you still kill our leader? We see this all the time in modern day. I don't know if you if anyone on here pays attention to world uh, world conflicts, but look at ISIS. Look at the Taliban. You know, look at all these groups. We kill their leaders and another one pops up. And another one always has the message of death to America, death to Americans, all because we we snuffed out their leader. So now they want to make an example and say, oh, yeah, we got retribution. Now I'm the big man on the, you know, sitting on the top. I got to make an example because I need to get retribution for my people because you killed our leader, even though they may have been plotting to kill them themselves. It's just different, you know? So I understand Simeon and Levi, where they were like, huh, should he treat our sister like like a prostitute? And also that goes back to family honor, family shame. Like, it's kind of like, this is where you have conflict with Jacob because Jacob is like, okay, I understand that they raped her. 
you know, this is my daughter, but, um, you know, this is going to be bigger than us. And it's like, but they raped her. They did that. And then they insulted us. They insulted you. They insulted her by sitting here and thinking that we'll be cool with them. Yeah, you can rape my daughter. You can rape my sister. And then just give, just, just pay us. Now you, by proxy, you are turning her into a prostitute. You are paying for her vagina. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this was by far one of the most epic stories of the of Genesis so far that I've read. Um, it was very interesting. It was a very, it was very, like, straight to the point. And as you guys can see by the, uh, by this hour-long podcast that, um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot that went into it. This is a small chapter. It took up a lot of time. Anyway, guys, um, please uh, help us out with the show. Please subscribe. Please share the show. If you guys want to get in on the conversation, please join us on Facebook. And we are gone.